Tonight, God's Word comes to us once again from the book of Colossians. We will be reading from Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, through chapter 4, verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 15, what we hear now is God's Word. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Tonight, our focus being on verse 19, husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Well, in many ways, uh, tonight's sermon is simply a continuation of our sermon last week, Sunday evening, the other side of the coin. I've I've described this as a series within a series. Uh, We've been looking at the book of Colossians, a book which gives us good theology, but also very practical advice for how to live. And we're looking now at Christian conduct uh, in the home. I remind you, as I did last week, uh, this conduct is rooted in the past. It is rooted in what Christ has done for us. The beginning of chapter 3, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Since you've been raised with Christ, now live in a particular way. Because of what He has done for us, we respond with grateful living. Um, Tonight's sermon is not simply a lecture on how to have a good marriage. It is not simply moral advice. Uh, Moral advice in many ways is law without gospel. But it is the gospel that motivates us. What Christ has done for us that gives us the desire to live in the way God wants us to live. We have to recognize what he has done for us and how that affects our lives. Last time, how it affects wives. Uh, Wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, Tonight, how it affects husbands, husbands, love 
your wives. It's important for us uh, to hear this Word of God. Again, not simply pious advice, but God's instruction for the ordering of a Christian household. God set His structure in society and in the home. And as such, He is the one to turn to to find out how we are to live in a Christian home. Now, it's important for us tonight not to become sidetracked. There are many uh, tangential issues that we might like to talk about. Uh, Perhaps tonight we could uh, talk about headship in the home. And while it's true that headship is related to the command for husbands to love their wives, we don't want to get sidetracked by that. Whether or not head means source or whether it means authority, uh, the focus tonight is on the simple command, husbands, love your wives. Uh, We should not be sidetracked by other texts which we think maybe should temper our understanding of this text. After all, isn't there a text in Scripture somewhere that talks about mutual submission to each other? Uh, Yes, there is. In the parallel passage back in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, before going on to his instruction about wives and husbands and parents and children, says this, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But right after Paul says submit to one another, he goes on to flesh out what that looks like. How, How we have different roles and different ways of expressing that submission. We talked how how wives do it last week. Tonight, husbands do that by loving their wives. It's not as if Ephesians 5 or 21 trumps every other text. That same uh, text could be used if your son comes to you and says, you know, Dad, uh, you've been telling me for a lot of years I should submit to you, obey you, but the text says submit to each other. I think it's your turn to submit to me. Uh, that argument would not get very far. We should not be sidetracked, but hear the word from this text, husbands, love your wives. We should not be sidetracked by arguments which say that Paul is addressing a particular cultural context. When Paul wrote this, women were not treated well. They were seen almost as a possession. You see, Paul is here addressing his culture. The Word of God is culturally conditioned. I would grant that the Word of God is culturally conditioned, but it is not culturally bound. All of Scripture is culturally conditioned. It was written at a particular time. It was written in a particular language. It was for a particular people. Culturally conditioned, but not culturally bound. The same command God through Paul gives to them is the command for us today. Husbands, love your wives. And don't forget, we are culturally conditioned. We live in a particular culture, a very egalitarian culture where equality is everything, and it's very easy for us to impose our culture back on the text. 
No, we simply want to listen tonight to the timeless Word of God. This important command, husbands, love your wives. And as we continue to enter into this text, I want to let you know there are not many who are less qualified to preach this text than your minister. But you have not come to get my opinion about marriage. We have come together to submit ourselves to the holy word of God, a word which must be preached directly and applied pointedly. Because in following the word of God, in submitting ourselves to his commands, there is a beautiful blessing we talked about that this morning, the protection we have from the law of God. There is freedom in keeping the law. There is freedom, wives, as you submit to your husbands. There is freedom, husbands, as you obey this command to love your wives. I appreciate how our marriage form puts this when it says, the liberty of both husband and wife is glorified by mutual loyalty to the law. The liberty of both husband and wife is glorified by mutual loyalty to the law. And so, what does it mean? Husbands, love your wives. Last time I suggested that the word submit, wives submit, is somewhat of a jarring term for us. We don't like the idea of submission. This word, husbands love your wives, should be just as striking. It certainly would have been for the original audience in a culture where wives were definitely second-class citizens. This call to husbands, love your wives, would have been striking to them. Perhaps the reason it doesn't strike us so much is because we have so watered down the meaning of the word love. We can use the word love for anything. I love my home, I love my car, I love my cat, I love the D-backs, more than the Dodgers. I love hot dogs. I love my wife. We use the same term for all of it. Paul uses a particular term here in this command to the husband. You're probably aware there are different terms for love in the New Testament. He could have chosen to use the word eros, a word which speaks about physical love between a man and a woman. He does not use that word. He could have chose to use the word philos, a word that means camaraderie, friendship, between a man and a woman or two men or two women. He chooses not to use that word. The word that Paul uses in the command, husbands love your wives, is the word agape, not a physical love, 
not a friendship love. But agape, a a self-giving love. And this is the call to the Christian husband, to be willing to give up themselves for the sake of their wives. Husbands, love your wife. Be willing to give up yourself for her sake. It is no accident that in a Christian marriage, the husband makes his vow first. The husband vows that he will love his wife, and only after he has made that vow does she then vow that she will submit to her husband. His self-giving love provides the context in which she can fulfill her responsibility. Husbands, love your wives. Isn't he supposed to be the leader in the home? Certainly he is. But what kind of leadership is that? It is a servant leadership. It is a loving leadership. It is a leadership which seeks our wife's good before our own. It's a leadership which desires to help her in her walk with the Lord. Which is why a loving husband will will take the lead in family devotions. Now, there are many times when we as husbands uh, are not home, if our wife is there with our children, and she will certainly leave them in devotions, but if we are there, we should be taking the lead for her sake, for our children's sake. In the reading of Scripture, in the asking of the children the questions about what we just read, in in prayer around the table. We should be leading our wives in our own private devotions, praying for her. I would ask you, husbands, how much time do you spend praying for your wife? We pray for a lot of things. We pray for our children. We pray for people in the church. How much time do you spend praying for your wife. You are to take the loving leadership in the devotions in your home. You are to take leadership in terms of uh, coming together for worship. And certainly, uh, I'm speaking perhaps more now to those who have children, uh, little children. It is not easy to get out the door on time to make it to church. And many times, and I I accuse myself in this, many times it is easy for us husbands to stand back with our arms crossed waiting for our wives and children and we don't lift a finger to help. That is not loving leadership. That is not putting their needs first. We are called to help Bring our family, bring our wives, bring our children into worship. Who takes the lead in the education of our children? We talked about this this morning, how education is ultimately a parental responsibility. In the home, who asks the question, is your catechism done? Men, are you asking your children that question? And and let me just give you a piece of advice. Uh, that That question, is your catechism done? 
is not really helpful to ask on Sunday morning. There's no relief at that point if it's not. It's not even really helpful to ask on Saturday evening. When our kids were growing up, we had the practice. That was the question at our noon meal on Saturday, and the kids knew it. But at the Saturday noon meal, they would be asked, are you ready for catechism tomorrow? What's your only comfort in life and death? And if they couldn't answer the question, they knew what they were doing that afternoon. They would spend time preparing their lesson. Fathers, are you helping your children? You say, but my wife's more gifted. She may be more gifted. Then, then use her gifts as she comes alongside you. But the responsibility remains with you as the servant leader of your home. We are called to love our wives, and, and we might say, look, is there, is there some couple in the Bible, some beautiful example of the perfect couple in the Bible that we could model our marriage after? Well, there is an example in the Bible, but not of any human couple. You know, as we talked about last time, the model for Christian marriage is Christ and his church. The church is the bride who submits to her husband, Christ, the bridegroom. If we want to have a model for our marriages, men, we look to none other than Jesus Christ himself. He gives us the most perfect example of what loving leadership looks like. There are many things we could talk about this evening, but I want to just suggest three things tonight. Christ does for his bride. Christ knows his bride, Christ wants the best for his bride, and Christ gives himself for his bride. Christ knows his bride. He knows our wants, he knows our desires, he knows our fears, he knows our frustrations, he knows us. Men, how well do you know your wives? Do you know what her concerns are? Do you know what keeps her awake at night? Do you know how much time she spends, if the Lord should give you children, how she spends that time raising those children? Do you understand what she goes through during a day? When we were in Phoenix, my study um, was in our house. Um, but I, we had a... a the way it was set up is when I closed the door, I couldn't hear anything going on inside the house, so I could have quiet space in which to study. And then at about noon or so, uh, I would come inside for lunch. And, and as I would open the door uh, to enter into the house, I'd begin to hear, you know, the rumbling and the din and all of this noise going on and all the activity taking place. And there were many times I wanted to turn around and run back to my study. Husbands, do you know what it's like for your wife to spend the entire day caring for the children? Do you know her struggles? Do you know her aspirations? Do you pray for her that she might fulfill the role God has given her in the home, in the church, in society. Do you know your wife? Christ knows his church. Christ wants the best for his church. 
Christ wants to present her as a pure bride. He's not difficult with her. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. He wants the best for us. Husbands, we are to want the best for our wives. We are to want the best for their spiritual life. We should be encouraging our wives to take advantage of the Bible studies available in our church. Now, that encouragement has to be real. It's not encouraging to say to my wife, you know, it's okay if you go to Bible study tonight, but first, I want you to make my dinner, I want you to bathe the kids, I want you to get their PJs on so they're all ready for bed, and then get home as soon as possible. That is not encouragement. That is not encouragement. We should encourage our wives and simply say, go and enjoy this time. I'll take care of everything. We shouldn't make it difficult for them. Stay out as long as you want. Enjoy this fellowship with others. Christ wants the best for his church, and we should want the best for our wives. And then finally, Christ gives himself for the church, a self-giving love. Remember, Christ chose to love us not when we were seeking him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were beautiful. Christ came and found us dead in transgressions and sins, and through his death and life, he gave us new life. We simply have to embrace what he has done for us. And that's the call again tonight. Don't just think about having a better marriage. Think about what Christ has done for you. Embrace him as Lord and Savior. And that will then spill over into how you live your life. Christ gives himself for the church. Men, we are not to wait for our wives to begin to submit to us before we love them. Our love is the context in which that submission can occur. Our wives, as wonderful as they are, are sinful too. They will have bad days. They will respond badly to us at times. And these are the opportunities to demonstrate the depth of our love for them. It's easy to love your wife when everything's going fine. But we show a selfless, self-giving love when we are patient with them, even when at times their sin comes through all too clearly. We reflect Christ, who while we were yet sinners, came and sought us out and gave us new life. Christ gives himself for the church. We are to give ourselves for the sake of our wives. Uh, give them the best of our time. Give them our attention. Give them some time, maybe some alone time. Time for them to relax for a few minutes. Uh, tonight I want to be very specific, very specific in application. It's, uh, it's a phrase, men, that I want to share with you. Uh, a phrase that was given to me, and I know it's good advice because it came from a woman. Uh, it's advice that actually came from my mother-in-law when we got married and started to have kids. She said, there's a phrase you need to remember, a very simple phrase. 
That phrase is a key, a car, and a kid. A key, a car, and a kid. Write it down, men. If you have a key in your hand and you are walking out to the car to do an errand, then you take a kid with you. Give your wife a break. Think about what she might need. Even if it's just a simple errand, I'm only going to go, I'm going to fuel the car. Take a key, a car, and a kid with you to give your wife a little bit of a break. And, and then when you get home, don't say, so what'd you do? Okay? Maybe she just sat in quiet for a few minutes. Maybe she used that time to pray for you, to pray for the children, to pray for those in the church. I know, men, it's inconvenient. <laughs> it's way easier for us to grab the key, jump in the car, and go. But we are called to deny ourselves for the sake of our wives. If we can't inconvenience ourselves by caring for our own children, we are not living up to Christ's model, Christ's standard for what it means when we say husbands love your wives. It's a, it's a very broad command with many applications, a very applicable command to us tonight as husbands, as men in our homes. And, and if tonight you reflect on your own marriage, on your own role as husband or perhaps as father, and you are convicted that you have not lived this type of love, then today is the day to make a change. That change begins by asking God for forgiveness for not doing what he's called you to do. Since we've been raised, we're to live a certain way. If we have not lived that way, we are called to ask God for forgiveness, and we're called to ask our wives for forgiveness. For not demonstrating Christ-like love and servant leadership in our own home. And then, knowing we have been forgiven by God since we have been raised, we make a commitment to change our actions, change our behaviors. A commitment for the future. And I can tell you, men, even if tonight you say, okay, I'm going I'm to get on board, this is what I'm going to do, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. And then once again we turn to God, and we turn to our spouse, and we ask for forgiveness, and we seek by God's grace to begin to show the type of love, the type of obedience to God that he would have us give. It's a wonderful command. It's a beautiful command. And when we follow this command, there is blessing not only for us, not only for our wives, there is blessing in our homes. We are doing things the way God has called us to do. Since we have been raised, since we know the gospel, since the Spirit dwells in us, we live in a particular way. Husbands, love your wives. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we come to you this evening, particularly as the husbands in our congregation, and we quickly confess 
Too often, our love is self-serving rather than self-giving. Forgive us, O God, for failing to look to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for failing to recognize what He has done for us, taking us from death into life, new life, for failing to follow His perfect model of what a godly husband looks like. Strengthen us, O God. Strengthen us that in our homes we might live in a way that brings a blessing to our wives, a blessing to our children, and that brings glory and honor and praise to you. We are weak, but you are strong. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We turn once again tonight to number 481. Number 481, O perfect love, all human thought transcending. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing the three verses of 481. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.